writing to persecuted believers. There is a wave of persecution that is going to break out coming from Rome very soon. And uh, Peter is probably writing from Rome. We gather that from a greeting or the closing remarks that he makes in the end of his letter when he says uh, from Babylon. And we would guess that he's not actually in Babylon. But uh, as we know that Babylon is used as a another name for Rome and the empire there. And he says through this letter that living a Christian life and living for Jesus and making him known can lead to real difficulties and suffering. So if you're going to live for Jesus, if you're going to make him known, you can guarantee that you'll experience difficulties. Jesus said that we would be persecuted. So Peter, when he writes this letter, he's writing to prepare those believers for those challenges that are coming. But it's also written to remind them of the grace of God that is available, which they've already received in Jesus Christ, which can sustain them. So it's dated round about AD 60, and severe persecution is just about to break out under Emperor Nero. And overall, Peter reminds his readers that it's when we come to our deepest need that it drives us to our deepest beliefs. That's when our faith really counts. So we're going to read just one verse, the the opening verse. One of the shortest readings I've ever done. There we go. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's it. I don't know if you were to be able to meet Peter before he met Jesus. You know, when he was a fisherman in Galilee and you were perhaps able to tell him the person that he would become. And the things that he would do, he would have never have believed you. And in this letter, we could almost call Peter like God's doorman. He opens the door for so many people to the gospel. He is called by Jesus to follow him. He he leaves his nets. He becomes a follower of Jesus. And in doing so, his life changes forever. And that is the same with us. As Jesus calls us to follow him, we are never the same again. And in those days, as they wrote letters, they always began with a greeting. And uh, here is Peter's greeting. And it's only half of the greeting that we're covering tonight. I'm always amazed when I go into card shops how many cards are available for us to buy to say either happy birthday or love you or with sympathy. But Peter begins his letter with a greeting. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, these would have been Roman provinces. And mainly the people that he's writing to are Gentiles. And so as he opens his letter, he names himself, which is 
part of the customary of, of bringing greetings. He names himself. He is Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know, obviously you know that wasn't always his name. He was called Simon, son of John. And Peter is a Greek name. It's a Greek form of the Aramaic name Cephas, which was given to Simon by Jesus. When the disciples gathered at Caesarea Philippi, placed a hotbed of pagan worship, where there were shrines to all the pagan gods. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do the crowd say I am? And they said, well, some people think you're a prophet. Some people think you're, you know, John the Baptist. Some people think. And then he asked this very pointed question, but who do you say I am? And Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, blurts out, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So Peter, when he writes his letter, he uses his distinctive Christian name. Peter, the rock, the stone. And notice as we go through this letter, if you know the letter in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Peter uses the same idea to describe all of us who believe in Jesus. We are living stones, living rocks. And it was on that faith that, that Peter exhibited that Jesus said, I will build my church. And so we're part of that, all living stones. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, sent by Jesus, sent to serve and proclaim Jesus. He is God's doorman. That's why I began with Psalm 84. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Peter is a doorman. If you see paintings of Peter in icons or in in famous paintings, what does he hold? got a few for you here. He's always holding something. Keys. Yeah, that's right. Keys. They look pretty big, those keys. And at uh, a famous place in Rome, St. Peter's, there's, uh, if we can go in closer, Chris, there we go, in front of, of that building, there's statues of St. Peter and St. Paul, believed to be the place where Peter was buried. And there he is, that statue, and he's holding a key. And for good reason. It comes from that passage that we were referring to when here Jesus says, who do the, peop- who do the crowd say I am? Who do you say I am? And Jesus says of Peter and to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You are Peter, Cephas, Petros, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. So Peter had been following Jesus for three years and then he saw the doors slammed on Jesus by the Jewish leaders and by the Roman authorities as Jesus was arrested tried, convicted, crucified. The door slammed on Jesus. Yet we know of Peter's life 
and the records in Acts that within weeks, Peter is standing in front of huge crowds, preaching. And he's preaching about Jesus. And he's preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. And he's preaching the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh who had come to save us. And he pleads with his fellow Jews in that message, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And the word that he uses for generation is genia, and it can be used of generation. It can also be used of nation. Save yourselves. So in that sense, we get a picture already that Peter is God's doorman. He's opening the door for his fellow Jews, like himself. To identify with Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, and to know that Jesus was the true Israel, the fulfillment of all God's promises. And it's actually Paul who would describe Peter as an apostle to the Jews. Paul, when he writes to Galatians, which is one of the very earliest letters that we have recorded for us in the New Testament, The Apostle Paul describes Peter as an apostle to the Jews and himself, Paul, as an apostle to the Gentiles. But Peter, when he writes his letter, doesn't say, I'm an apostle to the Jews. He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. On that day of Pentecost, 3,000 people responded and were baptized a ceremony normally reserved for Gentile converts to Judaism. He called for all those who responded, all those Jews who responded on that day of Pentecost to be baptized in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because Peter knew that their religion couldn't save them, their birth, their ancestry couldn't save them, only Jesus. And he pleads with them. Their only hope lay in the death and resurrection of Jesus and faith in him. Three years later, the Jewish leaders slammed another door on Jesus and the early church as they began to crack down on the early believers of Jesus. If you read through the Acts of the Apostles, you come to that passage where Stephen is stoned to death. And it launched a violent wave of persecution against the church. And there was a man standing, holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. And his name was Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles. Another door was slammed shut, yet when those doors slammed shut on Jesus... God just overcomes it by opening other doors. And we're told that the church scattered. And as it scattered, wherever they went, they preached the good news of Jesus. The gospel is going out. And then Peter himself in Acts 10 has a revelation. He has a dream from Jesus himself. And it convinces Peter that it's time to open the door, the door of salvation to the Gentiles. 
Paul has been converted in Acts chapter 9, but it's in chapter 10 that Peter has that vision and goes to the house of Cornelius and his household, and they all believe as they hear the message of the gospel. Peter again is acting as a doorman. He opens a door. And as he is speaking to Cornelius and those who are gathered around, as he is speaking, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he recounts to the Jews when he gets back to Jerusalem, they are horrified because they had nothing to do with Gentiles. And here is Peter saying, no, it's the same Holy Spirit at work there as he is here. And the same Holy Spirit received on the day of Pentecost is being poured out on all peoples. And Peter's preaching opened the door for the gospel that has been left open ever since. And we, as Gentiles, we as those who do not have our ancestry and history within Judaism have been grafted in. And then another door slams later on in AD 57. This time there's an attempt on the life of the Apostle Paul. It fails. And Paul continues to take the gospel far and wide, as does Peter. So here, Peter, as he introduces himself, as he writes this letter to persecuted believers, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's not disowned his role as an apostle to the Jews, but Peter knows he can always hold the door open for anyone who would come into the kingdom. And in many ways, we are doorkeepers of the kingdom too. Whatever sphere we have influence, we can open the door for somebody to know about Jesus, to come to faith in Jesus. So he writes to these Gentile believers in these five Roman provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, all Gentile territories. And he uses three Greek words to describe them. And these are amazing words coming from a Jew addressing Gentiles. You are God's elect. You are exiles. And you are scattered. Electos. Edward, you'll be really uh, able to correct my Greek. Peripodemos. Oh, thank you. And diaspora if you've ever heard of those words. God's elect, electos, chosen, as God chose Abraham. Peter is describing the believers that he's writing to these Gentiles as elect. Do you know that word? It characterizes the people of God throughout the Old Testament. They were elect. And Peter transfers that word to the new people of God in Jesus Christ. And he comes back to in chapter 2. You are a chosen people. But they are also exiles. That Greek word, peripodemos, means sojourners, temporary residents only. They are citizens not of this world, but of the kingdom of heaven. And so they are foreigners. And they are scattered, the diaspora. 
again, used many times to describe Jews living outside of Israel. Peter uses it here to describe Christians, the followers of Jesus. We are elect, but we are exiles and we are scattered away from our true homeland, our heavenly home. We know this, don't we? We know that this is not our home. Not as it will be. Our home is the kingdom of heaven. That's where we're residents of the kingdom of heaven. It's become now as we've trusted in Jesus. And there's going to come a day when you and I die and we go to be with Jesus. But that's not the end because the end is when Jesus comes with the whole of heaven and comes back to this earth and creates a new heaven and a new earth and we will live with him on this earth. Physical, tangible lives. Not floating on some cloud in an ethereal heaven but on the reality of a new heaven and a new earth. That is our home. And when you're persecuted as a Christian, that becomes more and more important to you. This is not our home. We are temporary residents here right now. But we are God's elect. His chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. This is a huge step. As Peter describes the church of Jesus Christ. I was um, taking the After Alpha course this last few weeks. And it's been really fascinating trying to answer questions that are asked. And why is the church so weak in Western Europe was a question. If you've got answers on a postcard, please. But we do live at a time, as believers in Jesus, of huge change in Christendom. The believers of Jesus. Peter's missionary journeys, you can trace them. They're around mainly Europe. Obviously, the Middle East and parts of that. Paul's missionary journeys. Around Europe, you can see them in the maps in the back of your Bible and trace his journeys. Europe has been at the center of gravity of the church for so long, it is no longer that. Things have changed. In a way, Western Europe has slammed the door on Jesus. And God has opened other doors. And now in South America, through Africa, and Asia, the church is exploding. Just we were hearing from Ruth the other day of an estimated 92 million Christians in China. Do you know that's more Christians in China than there are in the whole of Europe? Things have changed. When a door is slammed on Jesus, he opens other doors. And we stand in that place now. What are we going to do about what's happening? 
we are doorkeepers, each one of us, to the gospel. Not, I'm not talking about doorkeepers to church, but doorkeepers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to see revival once again in our nation. We want to see our friends and our families saved. So here is an encouragement from Peter to be a doorkeeper for the gospel. Peter has just started his letter. As we work through it in the coming weeks, we'll hear all that he has to say to encourage the believers. But he reminds us in this opening sentence of who he is and who we are. And the fact that the gospel of Jesus is unstoppable. So let's pray together.